Discover new mind and body hacks to thrive as a human today. The Institute for Aliveness is here to teach you all the things you never learned in school. From talking poop, sex, childhood trauma, emotional intelligence, psychedelics, and of course, fasting and food. This is a podcast that changes lives. Join your host, Dr. Andrea Page, as she travels seven continents to find the most captivating, impactful humans for you. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome you to a new season of the podcast. This season, I bring you some of the most important embodied people in my life. From all over the world, people I've met along my journey, I thought, hey, why not share them with the world? The following interview is with a friend who I met a long time ago, and we've kind of co-evolved over the past almost a decade, and you'll get to hear about our own trials and tribulations in evolution, about the act of true listening, and perhaps some clues to help you on your path. Tune in. And we're on. Yay! So... I'm really stoked to be here with a latecomer to this season series who, when he popped into my mind, I was like, oh, of course, interview Justin. And it was, um, it, yeah, it was no question in my mind that I wanted to have you as a part of the season. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. And thank you for all you've shared in your lifetime thus far. And you've shared with me and you will share with the audience today. <laughs> um, so I think the place to start is our, our little history together. Um, do you want to narrate it or should I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I've never heard your version of it. So. Right? And I've never heard yours. Yeah. So, okay. So we first met, first of all, we're birthday twins, which I think is birthday worth twins, saying. Yeah. We were born on the same day. Um, and we first met, ooh, wow. Was it 2011? Yeah, that sounds about right. Summer of 2011. Yeah. yeah. So eight years ago. Yeah. Um, I had the community farm there in Western Massachusetts. And, uh, yeah. and it was an amazing project that I was visiting for about two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And do you remember, do you remember the state I was in when I, when I came to visit? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you came and you knew uh, one of the other guys on the farm. You, he had met you in India. I remember and mm-hmm. you came and, um, yeah, I remember, you know, I had really founded the project, so I felt very comfortable with you there. It was great. It seemed like, you know, a person who could add a lot to the space. And the thing that I noticed after the first day was that you hadn't eaten anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't familiar with fasting um, at that time. And then I think it was, it, it might have just been day two, but I might have waited to day three just to, you know, make sure that I didn't get into anything, but I asked uh, the other guy there if you had eaten. And he <laughs> said, I think he said you were, ah, I don't know, it might have, it was like eight or nine days into a fast. I think it was 11. Yeah. Yeah, I, I harder. Had... Yeah. <laughs> of that moment when you were like, has she eaten? <laughs> well, I was so worried. I, I said to him, you know, is it that, you know, because we, we're a full diet farm, so we raised meat and, you know, uh, consumed that ourselves. And, you know, so it was like, is there, is none of the food acceptable? Like, well, how can we accommodate? And then he told me that. And I was just kind of blown away because, 
yeah, you didn't seem, uh, in my mind at that time, it would have been like, well, that person would be tired, wouldn't be moving around that much. Mm. Uh, my friend wouldn't be telling me about her incredible yoga practice <laughs> that she shared with him. Um, like these are the memories, yeah. <laughs> so we first met then, and then we didn't talk for a little bit, but then you were coming to Bali, right? That was the next time? Yeah, I was, um, after the farm project uh, ended, I went on a search for my healthiest self. So mm-hmm, I was in as Thailand. And <laughs> listening, ever been to Bali searching for your healthiest self? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, it was not my intention to go to Bali, but a ticket got canceled. Then okay. I moved you, and your you what you said made me feel like, well, actually, there's there's some potential there. Oh, so, that's funny. What did I say? Yeah, I think uh, I mentioned, you know, I was on this journey with that intention and you were like, here, this is the place, you know, with such certainty that <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I and I actually felt like we didn't talk too much when you were at the farm, but I actually had a trust in, uh, I could trust you, you know, this yeah. was something that was very clear. So I went with it. Likewise. Yeah, mm. thank God. And then, yeah, I mean, you got to Bali and it was just like, it was our first time really dropping in just us. And it was just like, oh, hello, brother. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And since Bali, since that time, I mean, you've been all over and you've spent the last little while in Peru. And so I guess where we'll go from here is if I can ask you to narrate up to this point a little bit about the trajectory of of your life, of what, <laughs> you know, just a short topic. But what, what's, what's brought you to where you are? Mm. Kind of the sign points along the way that have made you who you are. I, I truly believe that we can't truly understand anything until we understand how it came to be. So if you could just spend a little while reflecting. <laughs> well, when you say that last part, uh, I immediately, um, my mind flashed to uh, the spring uh, that's behind my parents' house mm. and uh, the, the water that um, I spent, I've spent most of my life consuming. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, so a lot of, you know, my adult life has been um, strongly influenced like most people by the, or I believe by the first few years of my life. Um, first five years, you know, especially that were mostly spent uh, in this mountain valley in Western Massachusetts, mm. um, in one of the you know, most pristine pieces of nature that I've been in in the world, um, and uh, that definitely was the beginning. And then, you know, being taken out of that and going to school was the, uh, you know, the total tearing apart of that. Uh, just the deep wound, such a deep wounding of the heart that, you know, creating a personality that uh, in my, yeah, around 18, 19 started to have to try to undo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, yeah, coming, I sort of just, uh, you know, forgot about the the woods and the the wilderness once I got into school, uh, you know, into elementary school and the the public school system and uh, eventually I became quite the model student um, until right when I graduated actually I, I had this epiphany moment where I, I realized I had no idea who I was <laughs> and um, yeah I decided 
to change course for the first time in life from a uh, something that everybody thought of as the way that I should go. Um, and uh, I took a year in Europe that year, um, again, asking, like, who, who am I? And mm-hmm. not knowing anything about, like, the yogic or esoteric traditions related to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, even in that year of exploring that only, yeah, not, not really connecting with that, uh, with the new age world or with the old age yoga world, but more with uh, the, the land-based community that uh, told a story of where they were from and why they grew this particular food or this particular wine. And um, that really actually helped me to see um, back to where I was from and grew up. We, we have those kinds of things. We have you know, the garden that we keep and the chickens that we raise. Uh, my parents always had that and the type of tomato that we, we grow and the tomato sauce that we grow. But there was never any uh, story told of it or any reason, um, mm. you know, foundation built behind it in my family because of their own, uh, like, self-colonization um, in modernity. And uh, just learning that there is a story really helped me to see the story in my own upbringing and begin to find a great value in a a deep connection to the land and to food and uh, to being from a particular place. And then in school, I I basically, um, yeah, continued another fascination of uh, childhood, um, which was essentially uh, exploring this sense of idea of purpose and self-interest. And... um, concluded very strongly um, in my political economic studies that uh, my self-interest was inherently tied to the whole. So therefore, whatever I did, I had to choose service to, mm-hmm. to everyone and, and everything. <laughs> and um, so that has been kind of the, the guiding force behind everything I've done um, since college and starting a community farm and, um, healing you know my my internal world so that i can share um, that with people in different forms whether it be meditation or yoga or qigong all of which or shamanic practices indigenous wisdom traditions all of which have been a big part of, of my journey really being taken to from one teacher to the next in the last four or five years that have uh really blessed my life with um, such clarity in, in seeing uh, the potential in the situation and seeing beyond, beyond the problem. I mean, I'm definitely in, in, I'm in process. I like that, uh, that term. I like to yeah. think of myself as being always in process and uh, being quite curious um, about what is arising and what's, how, you know, I can you, one. I find that I can have infinite ideas, uh, mm-hmm. and that 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 makes them pretty not have so much value. Really, being curious about what naturally wants to arise um, with me as a part of it is is what I've been exploring more and more, and in, in a more true way, the past several years, where I've begun to mix farming and nature-based education and regenerative um, enterprise philosophy and um, 
climate change issues all into this this bundle of you know healing ourselves and and healing you know the world we live in to to realize you know what it really means to be human and our full potential which is my own exploration that i just can't stop you know going down that road more and more and more and so if i'm understanding it's it's your own exploration is your mission in life it's like the inside is the out the outside is the in yeah and like how i can you know truly be in the highest service in every moment not in some mm-hmm. conceptual idea of service because i've definitely played a lot of those out mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah learning more and more like uh what it what it means to make a true offering something i ask myself like is this a true offering or is this just a, the image of an offering will you give me an example of of like something you've thought of recently when you've asked yourself that well so the name of um i the business that i started is called shwayambu which means that which naturally arises mm-hmm. that which is born from itself and so i'm basically anytime there's any work or i'm sitting down to do work mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm asking that question because it's like am i doing this because i feel i need to do this or am i here to be this in this moment you know mm-hmm. bring everything to this and if it's not it then it's it's definitely and swayambu is in what language swayambu is a in sanskrit mm and uh, There's a long story behind that but basically there's a uh, temple in Kathmandu that's a very important temple in the Buddhist tradition where they celebrate the the Buddha's birthday every year and um when I studied in Nepal in college uh I was very mental person very you know logical literal mm-hmm. um, disconnected from spirit and at that space I had a certain experience that really uh, I couldn't uh mm, I felt a certain energy that started to make me question, you know, what I couldn't see. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Like what's the palpable experience if you were explaining that to a total layman? <laughs> well, the palpable experience was simply I was getting uh led on a tour by a uh Brahmin PhD um Nepali um arts art theologian basically. Mm-hmm. And he was describing um a a carving that there was there and he told i think it was six or seven stories you know with mm-hmm. in like 20 minutes and then he started to tell another one from the same picture all with you know different morals different stories different from every angle and he kept going and then um i said wait how many stories can you tell from that and he <laughs> oh uh from this one He said I think I know like it was something it was over 300 stories that he knew himself from this little tablet that was carved. Mm-hmm. And something clicked there about you know the infinite nature of reality, the infinite layer of reality. And I can't, you know, it's not like it was just he just transmitted so clearly, you know, what he has become a master of and I was listening in that moment. I mean it was simply I was just listening. Mhm. You know, he had my attention and I was lucky enough to really actually step into his stream of consciousness. Mhm. And um and then remembering that moment, you know, starting to have more moments where I'm actually learning how to listen. And mm. 
therefore, you know, also learning how, you know, it goes inside and out, learning how to listen to oneself, learning how to listen to others. <laughs> so you, so I love, I love this concept of learning how to listen. And I think that that's probably something that most, if not all humans need. Um, a lot of my work over the past year and a half has been just essentially teaching communication skills, like deep communication skills, mm-hmm. which are all obviously based on the foundation of presence. Mm. And something, if I could paraphrase how you've alluded to listening, it was something having to do with being able to tap into the flow of the other person's psyche or awareness. Mm. Is that a fair fair paraphrase? Or do you want to yeah. rewrite it? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fair. I mean, it's fair. It's definitely, um, what words would I use? I mean, the conversation is happening on, everything is happening first and foremost on an energetic level. And so, yeah, really opening oneself to seeing the other as oneself speaking to oneself is another way I would say it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, there's me speaking to me, you know? What am I saying? (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know I find this in I mean you 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 travel a lot too and I'll find myself in a place where you know I don't speak the language at all Um, but I'm completely surrounded by people who are thinking in a thought stream in that language Mm -hmm. and someone will speak to me in that language and I will respond and Mm -hmm. I have never spoken that language in my life you know and yeah, it's uh yeah. In the last few years, I very I found this quite strongly down in Peru and uh, mm-hmm. in the Andes with the because they're speaking Quechua and, and many other languages besides Spanish. Wait, just to clarify for anyone listening, because they might be like, <laughs> "What?" Um, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, "What too?" <laughs> you, you're speaking in Quechua, or you're you, they're speaking to you in Quechua, and you're responding in English. So all all. <laughs> So all three happen. Sometimes I'll respond in Quechua, sometimes in Spanish, sometimes in English. The times, but it's it's a completely fluid thing. You know, it's a completely fluid state. Like I'll hop on the bus going to Cusco and someone will get on the bus and ask me in what I know now because I've learned it. This happened the first couple of weeks there. Ask me where I'm from in Quechua. And I would, Mm -hmm. I responded immediately in Spanish with where Mm -hmm. I was from. Yeah. And, you know, then farther out where I've uh, been doing some work, everybody speaks Quechua. So it's um, after some time, you know, just working with these guys and and then they'll say something to you. And then, yeah, it just it happened. I also was like, whoa, what? Okay, Uh, let me just check in. Did that really happen? Ask, Mm -hmm. you know, ask them in Spanish. Did I just speak Quechua? They're like, yeah, where'd you learn that? (laughs) I don't know. I love Um, it. (laughs) yeah I mean so I for example see languages are so much more energetic than they are the words that Mm. are spoken like of course Mm. grammar and syntax all of this counts Mm -hmm. yet the intonation the vibration the frequency we're speaking so much more with body language etc than we are with the actual words and so it's such a minimal part of actual language Mm. that is the communication right and uh this is what i feel makes people like us who travel a lot so able to quote unquote learn a language or be understood or understand people other places and 
I always notice, of course, when when someone's intimidated by speaking English with me in a country like Kazakhstan or something where I've never spoken their language and I couldn't uh -huh. learn a few words, but there's not going to be any grammatical conversation that goes on, mm -hmm. that if they're too intimidated by the English or by me, then they'll close off their ears and won't be able to listen. And that's that's the impediment to communication. Mm. And then the opposite is like I had um, I had a close friend for many years who's Albanian. And Albanian is a fascinating language in and of itself. It's said to be uh, the only language that doesn't come from a language family. Like it's, a, it's this orphan mm. language that's unlike no other. And uh, yet, when I was in Albania with her, I would understand most everything she said to other people in Albanian because I understood her, because I knew how to listen to her, because I would read her. And so the words were of, oh, of yeah. no No, ab absolutely. Like, um, my, my wife uh, speaks Malayalam. She's from Kerala in South India. And so when we're there, you know, I, Malayalam is an extremely complex language, and I've learned a little bit of it. But uh, yeah, first by just having spent so much time with her, I would have the general idea of what was going on in the conversation, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, where what they were talking about, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it me a little bit to figure out how that was. But yeah, it definitely was linked to just yeah her energetic mannerisms and uh, around different subjects. Mm. Mm. Mm, languages travel. <laughs> well, that's yeah <laughs> i mean the language thing is is really so much tied to this journey of um like being from a place for me mm. because I, i've I, i've been saying it for quite a long time i think the first time around 18 or 19 that i would really love to know a place so well that i speak the language of the land mm -hmm. and since then, I've you know had the privilege to live in Nepal and also in Bali and in Peru, where they still speak some languages that are, yes, they like they sound like the rocks and like the river and <laughs> like nature. Um, like when, in Malayalam, it, it really flows like a river, and that's a land of rivers mm -hmm. um, and water and snakes, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of yeah this animistic animal like sounds in the language mm -hmm. um, which leaves a lot of fluidity versus English which I feel we can adapt a lot but is very much a, a commercial and trading language at this point. When you say learning the language of the land permaculture is the only thing that comes into my mind because it's like you can't be a permaculture designer into or of a specific space until you've spent what like a year there to truly observe it in all different seasons and so it's the same reflex of listening mm. of of opening the eyes opening the heart opening the ears opening the pores opening the willingness <laughs> to exactly. the heart to be there and and hear what's actually happening without any ideas of imposition or, or intellectual Virtue. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I think, I mean, I teach what has influenced me in a big way. Mm -hmm. And permaculture design, you know, I had a farm and I was into permaculture at that time, but I never really dove too deep into it. I was very into natural farming at that time. And mm -hmm. when I took my first course in um, permaculture, 
the first uh, permaculture principle is observe and interact. Mm -hmm. And I realized just how impatient I was mm -hmm. in a very like real way. And, you know, having run a farm for four years and had a lot of things that were successful, but also see a lot of things, a lot of work um, go in and not much result come out for certain things. Um, really seeing like how much that observation matters. And like you said, a year is a great, if you can, it's a, it's a nice minimum amount of time before, you know, you put a shovel in the ground uh, mm. because then, you know, you have to take action at some point on an outer level, you know, to realize something, but just taking that year will, you know, eliminate several years of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and nature will appreciate it because it's certainly been watching us, you know, be ignorant fools for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it it's is so much that energetic reaction of nature and your conscious relationship to it that does make such a big difference in it, in, mm -hmm. uh, in success and failure. This is totally um, inspiring me. I, I have been um, wavering back and forth whether I want to host my brother, who's a permaculture designer, on this podcast or not on this season. <laughs> but I, because of this, I will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, in mainstream permaculture, um, you know, I don't know what school of thought your, your brother works with, but it's mm -hmm. very scientific and analytical, which I don't mind. You know, I appreciate that, too. Um, but they're kind of anti-connecting it to spirituality. Mm -hmm. And for me, they're, it's just not natural to separate these things. Mm -hmm. like they naturally mm, intersect. Mm -hmm. and, um, and for me, like, you know, we have this whole issue that people look at climate change, this whole dramatic issue that we need to solve. Um, as this big problem and really you know the solutions are there right now it's just actually um, the way the internal landscape of humanity mm -hmm. uh, needs to be permacultured <laughs> so that you know more human beings can actually see that you know the solutions to any of the so-called problems they're right there um, ready for us to take and, and that they won't take too long, but the underlying issues of uncomposted waste will perpetuate themselves if we don't clean up the inside. So I like tying the two together. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about uncomposted waste and you're right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's really all about, you know, like just, yeah, composting in a good way, building a healthy microbiome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%, like the, the denatured soil and lack of microbiota in the first nine inches of topsoil is a direct reflection of our antibiotic bodies and environment, mm -hmm. Yes, the sterile culture in which we live. And so it's, I, I love that um, you're proposing that the solutions are already here. It's about doing kind of the work inside or, or pulling them out from our inside rather than relying on technology or science or something outside of us to one, two, three, snap the finger. And it's no longer a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it, I mean, it's, I think it's tapping into, you know, human potential and the realization that, you know, we still definitely haven't come up with a better technology than what you are. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I mean, it's if you really take a look, it's pretty uh, incredible. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I want to um, I want to loop back to something you just said, which is um, you. It was a, a slight uh, inquiry into modern permaculture design courses being super intellectual and uh, perhaps not providing so much space or room for spirituality. Um, and it's funny because something that I dedicate to the podcast listeners here is that I will always decode everything, that I will not allow esoteric phrases or comments or anything to go mm. unexplained on this mm. podcast to just make it accessible for everyone. Because yeah. I mean, if you if you speak to yourself 20 years ago, right, or if I, I do the same, or even 15 years ago, right, mm -hmm. how, what, what would be the words that we would be able to listen to then from the ears we had then? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's also key in my own, in my own work is just, is to be relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's interesting to talk to you and also be talking to so many other people um because of how uh yeah the stream between myself and you and how clear and the understanding of yeah speaking in uh, perhaps a language that others yeah might not relate to and with the the permaculture you know it's um it's just something that is yeah, to like bring spirituality into it it's it's also it's not something like woo woo it's it's something very practical Mm. Um, you know, it's actually like, it's, it's, it's just self-care and we, we could call it spirituality, but we could call it like, you know, using it to develop emotional intelligence or, mm. you know, now my mindfulness is not a threatening word. Um, you mm -hmm. know, whatever term is needed, it's about cultivating, you know, a, a foundation in life and a clear map for developing awareness of the ever unfolding moment and oneself in it. Mm -hmm. um, so when, and I have found that in my own journey, having worked in um, with different uh, wisdom traditions, um, most recently um, the Tibetan Buddhist Karmakaigu lineage, if I, you know, teachings from that lineage that um, appeal to me, me sharing them with other people in the way they were shared with me usually doesn't translate. <laughs> uh <-huh. Yeah. laughs> and, um, but, you know, I find, I have found over the years in looking for how to share in a way that's relevant, that speaking about um, practical realities of feeding ourselves and learning how to uh, live a regenerative or a sustainable lifestyle, um, that uh, and then you know bringing in a way of speaking about that that inherently le links it to every action and to the interconnectedness between uh you know a, a grandmother and a grandchild or a father and a child and just like that by working in the garden one can see you know the continuous feedback loop of one's actions Mm -hmm. um, and so that's very easy to then speak about that from a, you know, anything, any relationship one has in life to relate that to that, which I personally would call, you know, spirituality, I guess. Um, 
but some other, other people have many names for it. And I was certainly one to not call anything spiritual, maybe like eight or nine years ago. And what was the big tipping point there? Um, what was the big tipping point? Um, like, I, I, for example, I, it's undoubtable for me that my awakening was when I went in as a hard-headed political economist uh, when I studied sustainability in Oroville for the first time in the south of India. And I went in looking at community design and wanting to kind of hack the system and see how that could play into the future of humanity and how I could design something from what I learned there. Mm. And the community and the program that I was in, which was a very Northern California-inspired program, just cracked me open. And from the beginning of the semester, arguing with my advisor that I belongs nowhere in an academic paper, that it's not <laughs> to the end of the semester where I was literally holding crystals, crying as I was self-grading myself in the self-assessment. Like it was just night and day of, of this awakening. Yeah. I mean, mine was, there was, there was, part, there's definitely been parts of the awakening that have been night and day, but the, I, went through it a lot of the time was still not wanting to be associated with new age spirituality mm -hmm. I don't so, blame. <laughs> um, so through the farm years you know these i started having certain like i started doing kind of vi vision quest things at first mm -hmm. vision quests and then actually doing them and having kind of having these certain instructions coming through that to a person myself if i didn't have anyone like to share them with Mm -hmm. um, and just felt the urge to start, you know, really relating to the elements and nature. And then, you know, but if someone asked me if I was spiritual, I was definitely not. No, no, I'm practical. Um, mm -hmm. What I would say. And then I realized that there doesn't have to be a separation. And at a certain point, when I had to, you know, realize that I, there was something about health I needed to learn that wasn't a physical outside thing, that was when I started to have to see that any divisiveness or, you know, um, identification of myself in contrast to something else mm -hmm. was not going to benefit my health. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, you know, that really, yeah, 2014, really, yeah, that, that year is probably where I, I fully just embraced what, what wanted to arise, and it's been blossoming sense and do you have anything that you would say to someone I mean I, I'm like a freaking magnet to people who are you know at that stage of the awakening journey and they're just like you have what I want it's like I'm sure that you get that a lot but it's this essence of like people recognize a certain sense of peace within the self where it's mm. like we can be in any situation and we're fine mm. and um yeah, what what would you say to those people who are, you know, on the brink at that point of awakening where they're really ready to throw away their conception of life as it was and as they saw themselves and the world around them and really embrace something as slightly more expansive and all-inclusive and maybe that comes with a new shape and form of, of life as they live it? What would you say to that kind of person? <laughs> well... I mean, I meet those people all the time, but it's it's a different thing every time. But the the, mm. the S, you know, everybody is is unique, and you know, my 
practice right now. I practice um, this practice called Tong Glen in mm-hmm. nutrition, and it's the breathing in of the experience that's being shared, mm-hmm. and then the breathing out of you know essentially spaciousness mm. or mm, equanimity or mm-hmm. just joy, uh, compassion. You know the just of of basic goodness. Um, and so in that way, in the past, you know, with people like that, you know, I read a lot of spiritual books and I've been around a lot of great teachers, so I could say a lot of great things, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have found lately that when someone really comes to me that way, that I'm much more, uh, I'm inclined to, to breathe quite slowly for a while because, the further that I get on my own path and commitment to, uh, you know, what they call it, the bodhisattva path, or, you know, for my, all my merit going to the liberation of all of us. Um, mm-hmm. Yet the more I realize how precious every, every moment is. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I find that um, if I take that time that they are, there's usually something, you know, that arises that where they've come to give themselves the answer <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that I've had an experience or that exactly the same energy that they're coming at me with matches an experience that I've had. And I can say, you know, I experienced X, Y, Z and that you know, because they're in that space of listening, it really clicks whatever needs to go and then they can keep, you know, on growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so so the advice is listen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's, it's really, it's, you know, my advice in general for most things like, that people have going on is to stop and take three breaths mm-hmm. and to bring awareness to breathing in and breathing out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, honest to God, today I had hiccups for probably almost two hours. Oh, that's Um, (laughs) Yeah. What? That can be hard, actually. I mean, that, that, I had hiccups recently for the first time in a long time and I found it to be very challenging. It went on for a while. Mm -hmm. That's in my mind in a certain way. Yeah. And I mean, I I was in a situation where I couldn't get water or anything to, to try to quell it. And so mm. it was a matter of trying to different acupuncture points, trying different right. positions on my, my body. I was actually on a bus, which is not convenient, of course. And, um, and so I, I just sat with it. I mean, it's normal. So I'm, I'm a week into a fast and uh, it's mm. very normal to hiccup when you're fasting because the peristalsis runs through an empty large intestine, which then tickle the transverse colon tickles the diaphragm and sets it off. Wow. And so there I was hiccuping and I come back to where I'm staying and uh, I write a friend and say, do you have any advice for hiccuping? <laughs> or what's your hiccups trick? And <laughs> he says, deep breathing. Why didn't I try that? And I swear to God, I like within 30 seconds or that worked and they were gone. <laughs> we're so funny as human creatures. Yeah. I mean, it is really like, um, 
it's amazing how simple it is to experience happiness that lasts mm. and how much time <laughs> humanity you know has put into um to avoiding it <laughs> mm. where do you think that comes from oh god okay. on a big on a big big scale i think it's it's just it's just part of an energetic pattern in time. An energetic yeah. pattern in time. Kali Yuga. Yeah, you know, and, and, and bigger than that. And, you know, and that's one thing, but that doesn't mean that, you know, one isn't responsible in it. Mm-hmm. But I know from my own life that um, the journey to staying awake in every moment um that you know that there has been a quite a few lifetimes of committing to avoiding being awake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that it is very dangerous for the heart not mm-hmm. that the heart can never be destroyed but i mean like the more awake the more tender the heart and the world is a heartbreaking place and it's really true i find this whole you know don't know they talk about the heart of suffering mm-hmm. in, in the Buddhist tradition. And it's really, yeah, a place of suffering that goes beyond that personal idea of the self or finite sense of self. Mm. Um, where in that there's pure joy, but wow, there is a lot. Yeah, it's, it's the, the heart has to break over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, ignorance is bliss, right? It's like, <laughs> Sometimes. If I don't open my heart, it can't be broken. Hey, you know, I have heard it from many people, and I said it myself. I, I have said it myself before. I had no idea what I was getting into when I super excitedly was like, I want to be awake. I want to go all the way. I want to, yeah. I, wanna... I had no idea. Mm -hmm. and there was definitely a time you know definitely it's been a few years now since then when I was like wow you know can could I please go back to ignorance could Mm -hmm. could I I go back is this this can't be worth it (laughs) yeah I want to okay so I want to talk about uh escapism and the obvious quintessential terminology of spiritual bypass and just things mm-hmm. in the community. And I know mm-hmm. that you've obviously been living more or less like in nature off grid with more or less people who come from their land for want of indigeneity, just at least people who come from the land that they're living on for generations. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know that in my own trajectory over the past several years that I've, I've definitely, um, distanced myself from the spiritual community at large and I would love to hear your commentary and your journey with it hmm yeah um god well you know going back to what I was saying before I um yeah I was very especially um I first connected to kind of what we call new age spirituality in college a little bit and um actually through the um feminist african-american new age spirituality Mm -hmm. my partner at the time and i was very inspired by certain aspects of it and 
also picked up definitely like a uh, current that definitely like white new age spirituality was definitely washed out you know these kinds of things you know fluffy or ev evasive spiritual bypass these kinds of things mm -hmm. and, you know and i was very into farming and so you know and farming is very physical and if you're doing it well you know you can easily transition into becoming a yoga teacher or back mm. and forth just you know, how convenient just to let everyone know they go hand in hand um and so i was you know we had somebody who donated um yoga classes to the farm and you know i never went i was like no i have to be on the farm i have to be you know this this and um and yeah after i realized that uh, there was some other kind of healthiness because i was still angry inside or you know mm. worried or yeah, like rushed and felt never, like, I just never felt good enough, you know, like with mm. it really. And so I had to leave the the project that looked like the dream on the outside. And um, yeah, I, I just started, uh, I was just more open at that point to what was arising, uh, arriving in my field. And um, I just wound up in like Northern Thailand in a very new age scene. And, and I just somehow, in that time judgment dropped there definitely was still a lot of judgment about the wealth um like i have definitely some angsty poems from that time um but really what shifted it was a very powerful experience that happened you know about a week and a half after i arrived in bali where i really touched in a way that i could never forget the reality that there is no right and no wrong <laughs> that there's no bad and no good and that life is uh what i see is an illusion um and that doesn't make it any less valuable than you know what you don't see but it is that and um and that it is a reflection of something that i am a part of creating uh, the viewing format for mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so yeah, coming away from that, joining into that world in Bali, you know, joining into it in a way, you know, not judging it, but then still, you know, watching like just the reality of what is being talked about and then action. Uh, mm -hmm. And seeing that um, one can hide in anything. So mm. it's like I was being self a self-righteous farmer you know, I could also be a self-righteous yogi. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I could also be, you know, essentially like the path to hell is paved with good intention. Mm -hmm. So even, if, you know, you know, I think I, I see the world where um, there's no right and wrong, but there is definitely ignorance and wisdom. <laughs> um, and I would say, you know, I did spend the last month in Peru um, managing a community center in a uh, town called Pisac. Um, mm -hmm. Very much has a very similar vibe to Ubud, just with um, spiritual materialism in plant medicine and uh, mm -hmm. you know, slightly different pathway to the same places. Um, and yeah, the same uh, ignorance that I see you know, in every part of the world, in every, in the city, in the countryside, they're all there in the spiritual community as well. And um, in some ways, I find much more dangerous. Um, and, 
But for me, it's definitely become because of my own follies along the way. Mm. I had arrived somewhere and um, you know, never very big ones, but just seeing the ignorance that wanted to continuously arise and then seeing mm-hmm. it played out around me, you know, like, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say, I mean, getting certified as a shaman um, is a very funny concept to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I have spoken to shamans about that. Uh, and they also have shared, I, we also think it's quite funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, people show up and they want to pay money for a certificate. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I guess, like, again, to that person who is, like, brimming on, that, on, the, on the edge of, of uh, entering deeper into the self-discovery journey, um, I would say, you know, to take one's time. You know, mm-hmm. like there's this Lao Tzu quote that I really love. Um, it's, Nature is never in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Everything is accomplished. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there's not much more to say besides that. Yeah. I mean, definitely like I, myself and my partner um, are both teaching classes that are yoga meditation and social justice oriented mm-hmm. that are geared towards bringing on a realization of cause and effect and ancestral um, lineage and its relationship to this time and place now and allowing the space for grief to arise from people of color and from white people and be witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is something that we both find and we've been both trying to do well since even I was in Bali I had been a race a conversation facilitator for a little while before that mm-hmm. and I immediately wanted to figure out how to bring this uh, conversation of intersectionality to the yoga community mm-hmm. uh, so the last few years um, Pooja and I have been exploring that in different avenues and she recently did a, a big workshop on it that was very successful. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, when when it comes into obviously the yoga community, there's not only um, a conversation of race, right? It becomes a cultural appropriation of sorts. That kind of conversation, oh, yeah, like interfacing with mindlessness for a truly sacred practice that's been passed on from hand to hand. Yeah, thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, it's, uh, to me, you know, these are, yeah, they're, there are um, master-student-based relationships, mm-hmm. and um, that can take on many forms, but it, it's definitely key to recognize that it's not um, something that someone gets from a textbook. Mm-hmm or that can be, um, that modern science can put into a box. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's why it's so difficult. What, I'm sorry? That's why it's so difficult to grapple with in the modern world. Yeah, well, it's based on a much more ancient science. Mm. The modern world was built off 
call it. You know, the modern world built up the idea that that was savage. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's so bizarre. And it's amazing how slow anthropology and, yeah, the Western paradigm catches up um, to, uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing how slow, you know, it is. Um, the, it is uh, to recognize the reality that there was advanced culture all over the planet <laughs> mm-hmm. you know before Europe uh, came to the ability to colonize um, colonize <laughs> yeah yeah um, and I mean there's there's so much to say here I, I have I'm... to go back to the permaculture as well and that's something that I'm uh, working on a couple of little like pamphlets that really reintroduce permaculture um, in a way that I'm, I just want to give credit, credit to humanity that has, you know, for most of history, humanity was practicing permaculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be, the books are there to explain, you know, why permaculture is relevant now because of our compartmentalized brains that need to be led back to seeing everything as one Mm -hmm. Um, and also like how we can recognize everything else that comes from understanding uh, how we got to that compartmentalized space and how how we how we move from industrial back to uh, whatever comes after this era Mm -hmm. yeah um what i was gonna say is that like, as I would teach yoga teacher trainings for years, I would always teach that this is the beginning, right? This is more or less the awakening. This is the mm. self-responsibility. This is the initiation. This is the point that you come in here. And our goal collectively as a community this month is to truly break open like a hard-boiled egg your worldview yeah. mm. and allow it to shatter and allow you to change from inside. And then when you teach from that place of transformation, you are not teaching something else. And so you said you said uh, you had posed a dichotomy between, what was it? It was um, ignorance and wisdom. Mm. And I would say, actually, I would argue that the, I'm not argue, but I would, I would posit that the, the dichotomy is instead between, and this is, ah. it's, it's it's always when I kind of at the end of a fasting week where I'll lead someone through, I, I ask always on day seven or eight, what is the wisdom that you've accrued from this experience? Not something that came from something I said or something that right. you read, something from outside of you that's someone else's knowledge, right? Knowledge is someone else's wisdom, but something that you've truly embodied, transformed and experienced deeply in your heart and in your belly that you can no longer deny, right? You cannot mm. unlearn that experience. Mm. And what is that wisdom that now you can share forward in your life? And mm. um, yeah, and that's of, of course the antithesis to dogma, which is completely disembodied, unexperimented with personally, very scientific, very rational, very narrow-minded, very rejectionist whatever you want to say right it's they're just it's two sides of the coin whether it's yin and yang or ha and ta or whatever it might be yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i yeah definitely i mean i think i I said it wrong it's like there's no right and wrong because wrong can never become right 
but there's ignorance and wisdom because ignorance has the possibility of you know learning to be wise but definitely i mean dogma mm. to me is ignorance too so it's, it's kind of <laughs> like you know I, I i definitely i mean that's brings something up for me that i was i was uh yesterday i was in a retreat in december um mm. and i was looking at one of the journals from there and um, one of the things that really stuck and i brought it up briefly earlier but was is sharing things in a, re a way that's relevant to mm -hmm. and in that retreat i was just seeing how all these uh, wisdom traditions that have continued to transmit the essential um essential clear pathways towards realization of uh, oneself in a body and and without a body that mm. they, what what they all the ones that still are able to do that what they all um share is their uh, willingness to be whatever it takes to transform how they share in every mm -hmm. way. And that any good teacher that I've ever met is very clear that, um, you know, just following what they say is dogma. Mm -hmm. That what they say um, and just, or just sharing what they say, if it's not like, doesn't feel embodied to you is just dogma and is, useless you know just mm -hmm. chanting omani pame hung over and over um is not going to make you enlightened mm -hmm. uh, no matter how many times you do it unless your intention is pure and connected to that particular energy stream <laughs> um unless well, you're listening perhaps you know if it's a dominating force where it's like oh i'm supposed to do this because I've, I've been told that it will bring me to enlightenment. And and you just get lost in this forceful efforting. Whereas well, there is that presence. Say again. There is that definitely effort is uh, is required, I would say, in, in the beginning. Mm. A great deal of effort, in fact, for a while. Mm. But, then, mm -hmm. but then after making a true commitment to great effort for a while it becomes quite effortless mm -hmm. um just becomes a way of being and um yeah definitely effort can work <laughs> you know it's worked for many um and i really like this one thing that uma always said you know there's as many ways as there are people Mm -hmm. uh, that's one that's really stuck from her. Yeah, there's so many paths up to the top of the mountain. <laughs> and the top of the mountain is really the bottom, as we've discovered when you were saying, do I really want to be awake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's also like the deeper in the journey, in the deeper into the settling into um, a more and more felt and realized sense of, of equanimity and the just expansion of experience and feeling in that, yet the impartiality of it too. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, uh, not something that can be, I mean, there's great ways to explain all these things, but they all have to be experienced mm -hmm. by oneself. Yeah. Um, because like, they're, they're, that's, it, that's the key. And then it's not the experience, it's it's which which you do with that experience in in the next moment yeah, yeah. how you allow it to inform you or not because mm. mm. i definitely had a lot of like big firework experiences that um 
seem really cool and magical, but the the actual integration of them and the you know, meaningful um, creative energy that they've brought forward definitely looks a lot more mundane. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's not as explosive. Don't expect fireworks if you're looking for evolution. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and I, it's not reflecting back to something that I remember you said earlier where you mentioned you thought you'd gotten somewhere in your spiritual journey. <laughs> Ram Das, who's been a huge impact, or at least was at the beginning of, of my process, um, and also will always hold a soft spot in my heart. Mm. He, in one of his many books, says, oh, yes, that's the joke. When you think you've gotten some, become the joker. It's like that quality of... Um, the spiritual journey we want to get all all huffy enlightened about look how enlightened i am and that's it's the ultimate temptation yeah yeah i mean it's like the the image for that is you, you just say that and then you turn around and you walk straight and you're into a tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know where i'm going yeah totally <laughs> I just, I, in moments like that, I just, I like revert back into my, my four-year-old self, which communicates it, itself really clearly through my adult self and, and just, you know, go back to that. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. Like that quality of like, mm, I have no idea. And <laughs> <laughs> play. Yeah. That's, it's an answer for me for sure. Yeah. Nowadays I usually take a breath and laugh at myself. Mm. <laughs> it definitely happens though it's not like it doesn't happen oh yeah <laughs> spiritual superiorism mm-hmm. oh my goodness mm. so are there any threads here that you want to pick up on or anything that you want to go back to or anything else that you're feeling like you want to communicate to synthesize what's been shared thus far hmm yeah, I don't Everyone's know. Taking three breaths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I'm I'm. This conversation has been really nice. It's it's left me feeling um, even more uh, excited about uh, the unfolding of life. Mm. And, uh, also on this journey, it seems life just uh, extends itself more and more. Uh, you feel you're getting younger? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you just said, connecting to that young self. I've spent a lot of time these last years uh, working with uh, with my inner child, and definitely the merging of the 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 different timelines of myself. I feel, yeah. I mean. Thinking about age and the fact that I'm 32 years old is, and what I've already experienced in life, mm-hmm. it blows all conception of, uh, of, I mean, my my conception of reality and what's possible is, is constantly being blown. Mm. And uh, on a you know, moment-to-moment basis, and it's already quite expansive. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. I, I really, um, 
am excited to, I'm seeing that I'm going to be able to share more in the coming years with more people about human potential and just really um, support um, the tending of that inner spark. And I'm so inspired because, you know, I, I feel um, I have a lot of self-love and for myself now and understanding in a humble way of what, what wants to come forward and through me. And that it is very, you know, uh, the journey has been to become humble enough to learn what it means to be great. Mm. And Ooh, I like that. in that humbling of the self, I've really seen I need everybody to be themselves. Mm -hmm. I need them to be their greatest, highest potential. Like I want it so much because while well, we can play in such a beautiful way, mm -hmm. you know, just like how where we are now in terms of our <laughs> in terms of the capacity of what we humans can do and create and uh, enjoy together is 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 just uh, the the very tip of the iceberg. <laughs> mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love. I mean, the part about being ourselves like that is why I continue my astrology practice. It's one of mm. the few parts of my quote-unquote career that's still remaining is that I'll still give an astrology reading to whomever mm. writes up and orders one mm. like it's it's so crucial that we all just tap into mm -hmm. who we've been prescribed as and allow that to express that that probably alone like that is the precursor to to whatever allowing the world to come back into balance not to use the word healing or whatever whatever it might be it's like that is the foundation of the answer it feels like to me yeah definitely i mean i've seen that in my own journey and realizing all kinds of practical wilderness and farming skills and mm. outer skills i've seen that you know it i will just recreate the same thing if I don't, you know, really clean up the inside <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, and support that in others and be, yeah. be patient. You know, it took a long time to get here. So I see we're, we're, we're doing well. And, uh, you know, the, the universe, uh, multiverse, you know, it's all with us and <laughs> quite supportive of uh, moving in a more uh, outwardly um beautiful holistic peaceful setting mm. there may be you know some resistance but <laughs> yeah no yeah. everything that's happening to you is meant to be happening to you right now mm. and when you say like we'll just keep meeting the same things again unless we change what's inside um this quality of self-awareness is awakening that it's it's the same thing exactly. and um the I want to just put in a little plug for um, actually technology, a technology piece that's been modeled after uh, my astrology teacher's teachings. It's an app that you can download only on uh, Apple for now. It's called The Pattern. And um, literally every single person that I highly recommend it, they download it, they'll write me within mm. days and say, oh, my God, what is this? And it's of assistance of assistance in our in our process of self-unveiling that's nice. so power powerful and so yeah nice yeah yeah i also do astrology uh, readings now I, oh yeah 
yeah, after many years of studying, you know, in the school there, I was like, all right, it's definitely time to do this more, to offer this more formally. So. Mm, okay, well, we'll have to regroup on that one. <laughs> Love to share. Oh, well, what a joy. Um, do tell anyone listening where they can find out more about you and or contact you if there's anything specific, if you're open to that. Otherwise, they can you can just say through me, whatever feels right for you. Um, yeah, in this moment, uh, there's a website uh, that will go up next month, schwaimbusolutions.com. We spell that? Schwaimbu is S-W-A-Y-A-M-B-H-U solutions.com and um, that should be up it probably won't be up until mid-september I'm, I'm not the greatest tech person mm. um, i am jeevan justin fox Tarico on facebook um, mm-hmm. it's a public page and um through you yeah there is a bunch of media things that i'm working on but i'm definitely taking my time with that um, there's so much work in person that is happening already. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice Aww. to talk to you. It was really you nice. too. Well, I'll let you bid farewell to the audience. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope that this has been helpful, even though at the end of the day, as we said, it's all about kind of coming back in yourself and, and having the experience that hearing about it is cheap. My. <laughs> yeah thank you everyone for listening and um yeah i, I pray that uh something that i said about my own experience and journey and perspective and mental formations uh is beneficial mm. i <laughs> uh, love you andrea love you too ciao ciao How's listening to that for you? If you learned from or moved by the episode, pay it forward. Go to Apple now and leave a five-star review so others can benefit. Join the Institute for Aliveness for a one-week transformational fasting experience. Consider getting an astrology reading from Andy or enroll in the one-year health coach certification course. Whatever you do, don't let this learning pass you by. Do something now to impact your lifestyle for good.